streaming services. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, that was a great show to talk about. I'm like, why do people watch this? It's the same way you watch your big shows from us. Several years. It seems like the economy might be for a downturn soon. It could be hard for people to pay 50 bucks for a subscription to download. So like, how do you feel about streaming right now? How much longer is the VR app like a viable path for your big shows? Do you want to be on HBO Max? And by the time people watch four years, when well, it's an interesting question. I think that right now we've had a great year for pay-per-view buys. And at, after full gear, I think it's very safe to say and official that this will be the most pay-per-view buys we've ever had in a year. Now that's it, it, you know aided by the fact we added an event this year and with Forbidden Door in partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that's been a really successful debut. Uh, but so far, we've had a really strong year on pay-per-view. And I think by continuing to deliver great events, uh, you know, we've got a great tradition of people supporting really revolution, double or nothing. Now Forbidden Door is one for one, uh, all out and full gear. So it's, uh, you know, having that year over year success we've had uh, allows us to feel pretty good about the model we have going right now. But it's certainly always something that we're looking at for the future is, uh, you know, what is the future of delivering events, but certainly right now, it's been really successful for us. Thanks. Hi, Tony. Rick Holmes, News 12. Um, we spoke uh, Eric from Ed, Newsweek. Right, from, uh, we were talking a little bit about bringing up this uh, Northeast Corner coming to the books here at Prudential Center tonight. This building wasn't here 15 years ago. It has started to accumulate quite uh, an AEW history here. The original one of Guts was going to be here before the pandemic. World title change here tonight. When you think about Newark, New Jersey, you really don't think about a pro wrestling city. A lot of that was because we did not have the world class building, which I think we do now. What are your thoughts as uh, AW makes its mark and why do you keep coming back to Prudential Center? I know we've got the Arthur Ashe shows, but Prudential Center from the indoor arena seems to be the one of choice. So talk to us a little bit about that and, and the history of this one. Well, we've got a great fan base here uh, around Newark, New Jersey, and this building in particular has been home to some great matches in AEW title changes. Uh, many of the titles have changed hands in the AEW either tonight or like Jungle Boy was saying, they won the World Tag Team Championship here too. And we had the first dynamite in the history of TBS here in the Prudential Center. So certainly a lot of uh, you know big moments in AEW history have happened right here at Prudential Center. And like you said, I think it is a world-class venue. So by having something like that here, it's the perfect combination. You've got a really great fan base, a really great venue, and it you know, has come together where we've been able to really have great success with AEW promoting events here at the Prudential Center. So I think I'd like to continue coming here for sure. Thanks for asking. I really enjoyed the other interview we did, by the way. Thank you. Hey, hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Well, I think when we launched AEW, you know, one thing I said is I would, uh, you know, build a big roster and we kind of would have it be where I wasn't really committing to everybody necessarily working every single week or even uh, possibly working people in and out of the cards. And I think that's still something I'm committed to. So. Uh, there's people who aren't on every event, but I, I still would like to get involved. And, uh, you know, you've seen people take 
some sabbaticals, absences, breaks from AEW for various reasons, come back and get very involved. And I think that's still for both those guys, potentially something that you could see for differing reasons. I think they're different. They're both apples and oranges in some ways, but I also think both of them are great. And I would you know like to get both of them involved in the, in the future. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, well, I've been in contact with both of them. Uh, they're both doing very well. I think, again, they're different situations, but uh, for both of them, I think I'm optimistic we'd get both of them back, but I can't say when either of them would be exactly, but I do think they will both be uh, very well received, and there's a lot of fans looking forward to both of the Adams returning. I think Hangman Page and Adam Cole both have a big perception upon their return, and the most important thing is they're both doing really well. Thanks, man. Well, I've always been able to take a long view on AEW content. Uh, you know, we have a lot of resources as a family and it's a family business. So uh, AEW was able to launch with a good upfront investment and then build big revenue uh, very quickly. And now we have really strong revenue streams that have allowed us uh, to probably, like I said, take the long view of how things play out in 2023, 2024. And I feel like the most important thing for AEW is that we have a really strong media partner with Warner Brothers Discovery. And that partnership has only gotten stronger as the merger happened. And Warner Brothers Discovery has given us more responsibility, more opportunities, but, uh, additional content. And uh, I think it's going to be good. I mean, not only have we probably got more opportunities to get more content in the WBB pipeline, but also uh, we've had more opportunities to have interconnectivity and integrations with their shows and things that are important to them. So I think we've become an important player. And, you know, like you alluded to, it's been a challenging time for some media properties, but I think for AEW, by having strong year over year ratings where we are up year over year and, you know, for the entire year. And it's also been a positive quarter for Q4. The pay-per-view buys have been really strong. Uh, so I think uh, for AEW, while it is probably uh, for some companies that haven't had the kind of success that AEW has enjoyed in 2022, I can see why uh, it would be a concerning market for us. I'm actually really optimistic about it, but uh, that, is a good question. Yeah, it's been, uh, they have come back and, uh, you know, been involved in the shows and uh, things they would do in the production of the show and also Kenny and the production of the video game, which we saw AEW Fight Forever trailers this weekend. And uh, I think there's 
a lot of interest in that and uh, should be a, a great game. And I think there's, you know, a lot of interest building in it for good reason. It looks great. And for a company as young as AEW to have a game and, and be releasing it this young in our stage as a company, it's pretty exciting. And we've hit a bunch of milestones like that. And uh, it's great to have you know them back and be a part of the show on screen and off screen. It's tricky, man. Uh, it's it's a subjective thing. It's a good question because I think the fans want that transparency, and to some extent, I do think we offer a lot of transparency into what AEW does. So then, for various reasons, whether it's the quality of the show, legal reasons, or anything in between, which I know those are completely different ends of the spectrum, but like I said, anything in between, uh, it's a subjective call, it's gut thing. And I try to, you know, give people good insight. I think the most important transparency is false advertising. And, you know, there is a lot of that in wrestling, and I really try to avoid it in AEW. Like, you know, I don't really try to promote matches like or try to build up a big match if it's not going to happen or if somebody's just going to run in and, and stop it from happening. Um, and once in a blue moon, I think that's OK, but as long as you don't build a reputation for bait and switch. But we really almost never do it. And it just as a rule of thumb, I kind of am almost phobic about that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, there's all different kinds of transparency, but there's a variety of reasons why you do and don't say the things you do and don't say about what happens on and off screen, but it's a fair enough question. Thanks, Dave. Hi, Tony. Have the product on the sports in Montreal. Um, Montreal has been doing very well in terms of ticket sales for your competitor, not French TV in Montreal. So, is Montreal not a market that is near the top of your list for 2023 as far as getting new markets go? Uh, Montreal would be a great place to run AEW. It's definitely in consideration. I think Canada has got a great history of wrestling events. Montreal is a city with a great history of wrestling events, in particular, a lot of big gates in Montreal uh, in the history of pro wrestling. And I think for AEW, like you said, uh, we have the French commentary. We have great Canadian stars. I think uh, now that we've been to Toronto and had a great experience and kind of got used to some of the things that it takes to run an international event from a logistics standpoint, moving the crew, uh, back and forth. I think it's definitely something that, you know, we, we would be interested in. Uh, what's up? Hey, hey, Josh. What up, what up? Uh, what's up, Ring of Honor? Yes, okay, great. Well, uh, <laughs> so December 10th, final battle. Uh, well, it's gonna, it's a, it's very interesting. So, uh, now we have a big match coming up. I think you guys, if following the pay-per-view, some of you, I guess you're all here. So if you didn't see the backstage, I think you all saw It'll be Jericho versus Tomohiro Ishii. Jericho's had a great reign of uh, defending against a bunch of people who've held titles in Ring of Honor, a lot of great wrestlers. And uh, I thought he continued that tonight, uh, defended against a couple of great former Ring of Honor champions in a great four-way match. 
And now he's defending against a former Ring of Honor World Television Champion, Tomohiro Tomohiro Ichi, at uh, the Wintrust Arena this Wednesday night at Dynamite in Chicago. And the winner of that match will be in a really strong position going into final battle. Uh, I'm really excited about the final battle show. It's a special start time, so it's getting a chance to try something out. It's an experiment doing the show December 10th, 3 p.m. start time. Uh, Is it 3 p.m. local? It's 4 p.m. Eastern? Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, we're in Dallas, that's right, 3 p.m., so yeah, that's uh, we're in Eastern time now. So uh, it'll be 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 3 p.m. local start time for anybody who's going to be at the show in Dallas, and uh, the zero hour will start at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. It'll be a little bit different, and uh, there's a good reasons, I think, to try it out, and it's, it's a, a great opportunity, and I think it'll be a great event, and we'll see who wins this big match, Jericho versus Ishii on Dynamite. I think it's a big match, and Ishii had a title shot coming to him. Uh, you know, he won that uh, Eliminator to get a shot and wasn't able to compete at Forbidden Door. So uh, I thought it was very fitting. He comes in and as a former Ring of Honor World TV champion. He's a perfect candidate to take advantage of uh, these opportunities to come in and challenge in what is the Ring of Jericho. Uh, and so that's pretty exciting, and we'll see what happens there going into final battle. So far, since I took over Ring of Honor, we've had two pay-per-view shows that have done really well, and they've been really good revenue. You know, uh, on a per-event basis, this is shaping up to be the best year in Ring of Honor's 20-year history for live events and pay-per-view, so that's fun. And uh, right now, I believe, uh, with Final battle, uh, you know, we can follow up on what we did with Death, Death Before Dishonor and Supercard of Honor and have another really good buy rate and, and sell a lot of tickets outside of AEW without cannibalizing AEW because I think, we, you know, while we have had some of the matches on AEW, I think it's, you know, when you see matches like the one we had tonight with Chris Jericho, there were 10 matches on the pay-per-view. Uh, only one of them was for a Ring of Honor championship, and I thought it was one of the great matches on the show. And the video package highlighted why the lineage matters and a lot of great champions were involved in the match. Jerry Lynn, uh, one of the you know people backstage, a coach, a former Ring of Honor champion, and then the participants in the match and a lot of other great names. And I would love to get a Ring of Honor TV show, uh, a weekly show, and uh, I'm still optimistic about doing that. But right now we had to focus on Full Gear, uh, our AEW shows, and now eight, uh with AW going into uh, some really big events, heading into Chicago, Indianapolis, and then heading to Texas. Uh, I thought it was very fitting. It, uh, while a lot of the people that might potentially be involved could be in Texas, uh, we'll have a final battle and it's gonna be a great show. Thanks. Hi, Tony. Denise. So my question for you is, have you had any conversations with New Japan Pro Wrestling about AEW talent appearing at Wrestle Kingdom? And also, did you have that in mind while you were booking the Best of Seven series? Well, I have had conversations with them about it. Uh, I've been mindful of it when I've been doing all the dates and looking at everything around the Seattle show, because as you probably know, we have an AEW Dynamite event in Seattle on the night of the Tokyo Dome, January 4th. And then we're in Portland on the 6th, which is pretty close to the New Japan show on the 5th. So I do think uh, that week would be a bit of a challenge. So I have had good talks with them about it. As you saw, Rocky was actually here. So um, yeah, I've had good conversations with them about that. And uh, I, 
I'm optimistic we'll be able to participate in some capacity on Wrestle Kingdom. But I do think a lot of the top AEW stars are going to have to stay here. It's important we keep all the big stars we can for AEW in Seattle. Thanks. Uh, Tony, Nick Howes from the Hi. Wrestling Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. Um, I want to kind of pick back off the ring on our question a little bit. Uh, on the road to full gear and the Bill the ROH title match, there was, of course, the booking of Colt Cabana that got a lot of attention. Uh, I was wondering if you could address uh, how you came to the decision to put Colt in that spot and also if you could kind of clarify maybe once and for all, did CM Punk ever ask to have Colt Cabana move to Ring of Honor or not share the locker room? No, no, he never asked for that. He never asked for that. Um, I, you know, the first time it came up, I think you asked me that on a scrum call and I wasn't looking at you face to face. And I really was trying to, you know, it was before death, before dishonor, I think. He never asked me that. And uh, it was, uh, I could have probably addressed it then. And I just didn't comment on it because I didn't, I wanted to keep talking about the wrestling that was on the show because Colt Cabana was wrestling on the show. Right. And so, uh, and this, you weren't asking me specifically about the show, so I, I didn't answer that there, but I, uh, um, you know, no. And, uh, then, uh, af- as far as the match with Chris in Baltimore, I thought it made a lot of sense because we had the, uh, you know, Ring of Honor championship series. And we had talked about Chris Jericho's wrestling so many of the great names in Ring of Honor. And so... You know, when you talk about like great people who've held championships in Ring of Honor, we brought in Bandito, Dalton Castle, uh, a lot of great people. Tomohiro Ishii is a great former Ring of Honor World TV champion who I think is a match, like I was saying, I'm really excited for with Jericho. I think that could be a match, a Tokyo Dome caliber match. And when we've been booking the shows, I've been using Colt Cabana both as a coach and a wrestler in Ring of Honor. So I looked at the Ring of Honor roster and Colt Cabana is a very logical challenger because not only is he held the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, but he's also somebody who's been wrestling in kind of the new Ring of Honor, the 2022 Ring of Honor, is undefeated uh, and has won both his matches. So I thought he'd be a very logical challenger for Chris, and it's also a good match. Do you so, understand how people drew that conclusion, though, that there was him coming back was somehow aligned? Yes, but he was wrestling in Ring of Honor, and then he wrestled for the Ring of Honor Championship. So if you look at the booking of it, it's like he's 2-0 and in Ring of Honor, and he's wrestling Chris Jericho, who is the Ring of Honor champion, and like when Colt Cabana has won at both uh, Supercard of Honor and Death Before Dishonor, and that's what I've been using him in, is Ring of Honor, then he's a former Ring of Honor champion. He's a really logical person to challenge Chris. Plus, he's a very compelling babyface, and somebody the crowd gets behind. He's a really good wrestler, and so I thought it'd be a really good match, and I think it was a really good match. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Tony. Uh, Liam Crowley, I want to talk again about the Elite's return. Uh, they come out to Wayward Son. Uh, talk to me about the clearance process of uh, getting that song cleared. Is it going to just be a one-off? And we also saw reports uh, that they might have tried to trademark the name Wayward Sons. Was there ever any discussion about rebranding the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks as maybe something else? No, we never talk about changing the name. That like It wasn't like going to be a rebrand or anything. It wasn't going to be like a Generation Me situation <laughs> or anything. <laughs> like uh, I was a big fan of the Young Bucks. And when they, took, when they were Generation Me, I was thinking like, okay... I really like the Young Bucks and Nigel McGinnis. And when they were like Generation Me and Desmond Wolf, I was scratching my head. That's why, I like, so many of the people I like think I think it's good when people come into AEW and keep their names for the most part. Um, and uh, with uh, the Wayward Son uh, trademark, no, I don't. I don't know about the trademark, but I do think uh, the song was a great idea. They asked me about licensing it, and you know, 
it's similar to trades in sports where it takes two willing parties and sometimes you're like very happy to get a deal done. You're like, wow, that was really very pleasant. And like, it was a good deal and a good trade for both teams. And you feel like good about the trade. Other times they're very like brutal and painful. And at the end of it, you feel like you got dragged. And uh, this was not one of those. They were, they were very nice. Uh, so the, the um, really Kansas and uh, all the people we worked with were very nice about licensing it. And uh, the elite asked me about, the use of it, and I thought it was a great idea, and uh, I was really excited about the idea of the, ser- the series. I'm really excited about matches going forward, and I think uh, after the really interesting finish uh, and uh, sort of controversial ending, I would say, to the match, I thought it was really appropriate to settle it and figure out who is the undisputed World Trios champions with a best of seven series. And I really couldn't imagine two better trios in the history of AEW to go out and have a best of seven. And real quick, is this a one off or this will be their team moving forward? Wayward Sons? Uh, I, I am very open to using it again. Uh, and they were very cool about us using it tonight. So I'm, uh, uh, I think there's a good chance we could, do, could use it again. Got it. Thank you. Thanks. Just a few more questions, okay? Yeah. Uh, Will Washington with Fightful. Um, so it's kind of a multi-layered question. So in 2019, you ran four pay-per-views. 2020, you ran four pay-per-views. 2021, you ran four pay-per-views. This year, uh, in three weeks, you will have completed eight pay-per-views. You will have double the amount of pay-per-views you've booked in... Well, when you say you, you're talking Tony Khan, not AEW. Specifically talking Tony Khan. Yes. Yes. So um, I guess talking about that, do you feel comfortable at that point uh, with the amount of pay-per-view you're booking at this stage, um, do you feel going into 2023, do you want to keep that load, or do you want to even well, do you mean it? Do you mean me, against you mean me personally, not the, the AEW? Because AEW, I think, has done five pay-per-views, one which was a collaboration that would be, you know, I've run five AEW pay-per-views, three Ring of Honor pay-per-views, but I don't see them as necessarily uh, competing products. Like, I think they're, they're, there's uh, synergies with them, and I'm even though I am working on eight pay-per-view shows, if you want to, if you're asking me about my own personal capacity, I could talk. But but well, as far as like AEW, I think five is a really good number, and I think the, what we've done with Ring of Honor so far with the three has been really nice. Well, I mean, I know we're talking semantics here, but really, uh, at the moment, they're kind of one in the same product, and that it's all existing on Dynamite, it's all existing on Rampage. Some is existing on, I mean, to be fair, it's a great point, and, and to really take it to the next level, I think it's also fair to point out that there's been defenses on elevation and dark, ele- you know, dark and elevation, where, um, is, is it working? I don't know, do you have a follow-up? Or is it uh, well, so more so, I guess, the... the no, 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 no yeah. you want to keep it, keep it, keep it. Okay, okay so <laughs> because, uh, no, it's a great point. So, um, because also, you know, there have been defenses on dark and elevation. So, um, to your point, uh, I don't think it's all one and the same product because where it differentiates is the pay-per-views and the builds of the pay-per-views. And I guess, you know, I would like to use other TV products, but you probably have seen a little bit more in terms of title defenses and uh, some of the segments on Dark and Elevation for Ring of Honor that you know, you wouldn't necessarily see as many of the AEW championship matches on Dark and Elevation as you had for Ring of Honor, but um, Mercedes and the Pure Champions, uh, Garcia and Yuta both defended the title on Dark and Elevation. Claudio, as world champion, defended the title uh, on YouTube also. So, um, you know, I've been open to using the Dark and Elevation also uh, to 
build some of those matches. But I think to your point, it has some of it has existed on Dynamite and Rampage. Um, I think in the, it would be great, and I'm optimistic about trying to get Ring of Honor weekly TV going. But really, like I said, the focus was really November 19th today, full gear, and then going into Final Battle on December 10th. Uh, I think. I think it's a really good number for the two companies, but I think it's good to like distinguish the two because I think there's people that are big AEW fans that watch the TV. And clearly I think there's some people we've gotten interested in Ring of Honor that weren't buying the Ring of Honor shows before, but I don't think we've done it in a way where if you're an AEW fan, you don't have to buy the Ring of Honor shows, if that makes sense. Like, and it's not like I'm saying, uh, I'm trying to find, I I really, uh, I value the question, but I've also tried to create a product where uh, a lot of the AEW centric storylines are separate from the Ring of Honor storylines, if that makes sense. Like, for example, uh, most of what's happened on AEW TV has been focused around the major championships in Ring of Honor. And I think we've built uh, a lot of interest in particular around the Ring of Honor World Championship, Chris Jericho. Samoa Joe, for example, tonight, uh, the Ring of Honor World TV champion, he was competing for the TNT championship. Now it's interesting because they are, to your point, one and the same. Now that so that is uh, creating a little bit more uh, uh, synergy between the two shows, having one person have both the belts. So I, I think that eight is a good number, but I also think it's important to distinguish because I don't it's not we're not doing eight pay-per-views like AEW is doing five and Ring of Honor is doing three. And uh, I still see them as like separate properties, even though there's been matches between the two. For example, New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's been matches involving a lot of the New Japan wrestlers uh, and even New Japan Championships on AEW and not even exclusively around Forbidden Door. We've done it other times, too, as you know. So I think it's uh, more about companies working together. So I know it's a little bit different with Ring of Honor than it is with New Japan, but um I see them as outside of the two biggest promotions in the world, which I think are AEW and WWE. I think there's also two really big promotions with New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor that we partner with. And we've had championship matches from Lucha Libre, AAA, and other companies too. So, uh, but to your bigger question, I really like the eight, the way it's split. Okay, two more questions, Bill, and then Mike Johnson. You've been asked a lot about the TV deal for Ring of Honor. It seems like that's you know very uncertain at this point. Have you given any consideration to maybe you know giving them a YouTube show or maybe giving like one of the Universal tapings instead of? I, I mean, there are things there just definitely. to give them you know more of a consistent presence instead of balancing it on Dynamite and you know the other three shows. I've definitely considered a lot of options, but I think it would be hasty when. There are other options out there to like jump into something because it's a pretty valuable property. And even like, for example, like the pay-per-views, like, um, you know, for example, like to throw out a number, like, which would be for an AEW pay-per-view, it's probably, uh, you know, 25% or so of what you might get for an AEW pay-per-view or less than 25% of some AEW pay-per-views, but say a number like 35,000 buys at like you know at the price point for ring of honor which is also a lower price point um then on the one hand for aw that's not that revenue but on the other hand it's not something i really see cannibalizing the aw pay-per-view product 
because uh, the AEW pay-per-view guys have been pretty stable while we've done the, the Ring of Honor pay-per-views. So for the TV, I really would like to get that going, and I see it as a, as a, as a weekly series. But um, because it's such a major leap, I've been holding off on – because, I, I mean, yeah, I could – easily just do a YouTube show. Like, I mean, anybody to be, but I think like, I think it probably deserves something better. Than that. I want to clarify. I mean, just until you get there, not in place. I completely see that, but I think like it would be like going from if just doing a YouTube show as a, as a placeholder, I think would be almost probably less, it, it would be a trade-off because in some ways it would, it would be beneficial by not having some matches that could take away from other matches that would feature some people in AEW, but I also think a lot of the people from Ring of Honor that we featured, like the ch- champions happen to be some of the biggest names in AEW, like Chris Jericho, Samoa Joe, FTR. So when those people have wrestled in matches, whether it was FTR, you know, around Forbidden Door with the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships or Chris Jericho doing the Ring of Jericho or Samoa Joe defending the TV title, Mercedes is just getting back healthy. So I think at times those have been uh, good to the show, but I also like try to keep a balance where it's not the whole show. Um, and you know, I think, like I said tonight, with ten matches on the pay per view, and there was one match that was a Ring of Honor Championship match. I thought it was a good balance. Thank you. Last question, Mike Johnson. Hey, Tommy. Got a different question for you. AEW's the first promotion launched during the Twitter era. Obviously, and we're all watching this crazy promotion response to that. You communicate with the audience all the time there. Uh, in this case, signing was announced today. Um, AEW has built a huge Twitter following. You have a million followers across the platforms and accounts there. Have you been monitoring it? What does it mean to AEW if this thing really does crash to a wall and die in the short term? Uh, and what, what's your thoughts on just the entire craziness of the last couple of weeks given Twitter is an important part of the AEW experience? Uh, that's a great thought. Uh, I think, uh, in particular, um, you know, it's become a a subject of conversation in recent days. Uh, I'm not sure what, you know, the future of that platform is, but I think it's, uh, been a home to a lot of wrestling conversation and it kind of aggregated a lot of the message board conversation that went on for a lot of years and a lot of message board people aggregated into one place on Twitter, like, um, and it combined a lot of the people, people in this room, I know from various message boards and chat rooms, uh, that it put all of them in one place in a unique way. And, uh, I think it's, you know, still is home to a lot of that conversation. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see, but I mean, there's, uh always been great homes and the wrestling people we've always seemed to all find each other so uh but i think uh certainly twitter's been working the last several days so uh um i've been tweeting and it seems to be uh working pretty well um well that i uh no i really appreciate it everybody uh I, I don't uh, get a chance to see you all very often, but I really appreciate everybody coming out. I see a bunch of people, you know, you know I interact with on a pretty regular basis. And, uh, you know, all of you coming out to cover our pay-per-view, it means a lot. And I hope we gave you a good show. Um, is there anybody that didn't, came here that did not get to ask a question today that would like to ask a question just before I leave? You have not asked a question. Hey, Tony, um, when we get more details on the That's a great question. Uh, 
I have not got the exact details on the date of that. I think all we've announced is that we're coming in 2023 and, and our first AW event in the UK is going to be in London. Uh, we're still working through some of the details. Like I alluded to before, we just actually did our first ever international event this year and it's pretty complicated, but in a good way, we're still a, a young company. So uh, we learned a lot by going to Canada and I think we can take that and uh, parlay it into uh, our first overseas trip. And then also, I think it can be really good revenue for the company. Like today was our fourth straight pay-per-view with over $1 million in live ticket sales. And it's the fifth event this year that we did that and we'd never done it before this year. It's a new, uh, it's a new milestone. And I think that's the kind of business we potentially could do in the UK, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and, uh, so we're not taking it lightly, but next year is definitely the plan. And it's crazy because, you know, it's already mid to late November here. So, uh, next year is right around the corner pretty soon. That's going to be this year. Uh, well, thank you so much for all being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.